great to have you here. If uh, you missed the beginning intro part and you're a guest with us today, my name's Kevin. I serve as the lead pastor here. Uh, today we're in uh, week two of a seven-week series called 40 Days of Prayer. Now, if you're doing the math and you go seven weeks is actually more than 40 days, the 40 days start today. So last week was an introduction to where we were going to go with this series. So we're going to spend the next 40 days as a church family talking about prayer. What we did last week to kick this series off, we talked about and we looked at what the Bible has to say about how you and I grow spiritually. Because as a Christian, as someone who has put their faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus to save us from our sin, the Bible says that we are to become more and more like the image of Christ. We are growing in spiritual maturity. God doesn't want us to stay kind of whiny, cranky Christian babies. God calls us into a life of growth, of into maturity, and not just for our personal benefit. I think sadly we as Christians get a little stuck saying, yeah, it's all about me, it's all about me, I want to grow spiritually, I'm going to go to grow, I'm going to go to these things so it's me, 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 I consume. But the heart of God is, no, we grow spiritually so that we can be a heart and a blessing, we can be a blessing to the world around us. That's why God wants us to grow. So we talked about last week the different ways that we grow spiritually, and I'm not going to repeat them this week. You can check them out on our Facebook page or on our church app. But all of the things we talked about next week, we want to develop those over the next 40 days as we talk about the topic of prayer so that we can grow in maturity starting with our prayer life as followers of Jesus. And so we're going to spend the next six Sundays just talking about the topic of prayer. Now, prayer, it's kind of, it might seem a little crazy to you to spend six whole weeks talking about prayer. Like, oh, come on, pastor, I know how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Amen. Next, I know how to pray. God, give me this. God, bless this. God, give traveling mercies for that. Six weeks. Ah, It seems like a colossal waste of time. But the topic of prayer is ginormous. It's all throughout Scripture. From the beginning to the end, we see the people of God coming into the presence of God through prayer. There's so many ways we could tackle a topic like prayer. Like just for example, as I was kind of researching and going through the books I have in my own personal library on prayer, I figured, well, maybe I I should use this as an opportunity to kind of update my library and see what's new and what's written on the topic of prayer. So I just do what I normally do. I go onto Amazon.ca and I go into the little search bar and I type prayer. 231,914 books currently on sale at Amazon. 231,000 available. These are the books that are available. Because I filter. I don't want the books that they don't have in stock. I want the ones that they have. Because I want it tomorrow. Because I have that OCD personality of mine. I've got to have it now. Um, now, I was very thankful. I was very happy to see like Tim Keller's book came up first. So I'm happy about that. But there's a lot of crazy stuff on the topic of prayer on Amazon. So I figured, well, you know, okay, I don't have time for these books to come in because I'm kind of rushed. So I go to my second resource. I go to YouTube and see how many videos I can find on the topic of prayer. 22 million. 
Tim Keller didn't come up first. Some other wackadoo did. (laughs) Um, 22 million videos on the topic of prayer on YouTube alone. This is a ginormous topic to cancel. So, uh, to, not to cancel, to attack. This is a huge topic. So what I want to do today is I want to make sure that all of us who are here today and all of us who are watching this online, I want to make sure that we're all starting at the same spot. <laughs> that we're all starting with the same working definitions. We're all starting with the same kind of ideas. So today, I'm really calling this a beginner's guide to prayer. This is prayer 101. Bare bone basics. And if if you're a a prayer warrior type person today, I hope that this will kind of help, you know, go, yeah, okay, good, I'm on track here. Or maybe it will help align you a little bit. Or maybe if prayer is something that you've struggled with in your Christian journey, I pray that this will be a real help for you as well. So we're going to be jumping all over the Bible today. This isn't a sermon where I'm going to sit in one text. We're going to be all over the place today. So if you're, this is a good spiritual exercise for you. Bring your Bible during this series. Bring your Bible. If you're not comfortable with finding stuff in the Bible, you're going to get a lot of practice over the next six weeks. There's a great thing in the Bible called the table of content. It's not in the original language. Okay, The table of content was not written in Hebrew or Greek. It was written in whatever language your Bible is in. And I'm going to make a little confession. The guy with the seminary degree still uses the table of content. Where was that little minor prophet dude again? I don't remember. Where was that book? Okay, it's okay to use this page of your Bible, okay? So get comfortable with that section of your Bible during this series. So what I want to do is I want to talk about three. I'm going to start off talking about three facts about prayer, and then I'm going to start talking about some of the uh, three foundational truths about prayer that we find in the, in, in the Bible let's start about three different facts about prayer. The first is this. Our creator has wired human beings for prayer. Our creator, God Almighty, has wired human beings for prayer. Everywhere that you travel in the world, regardless of the faith tradition or the religion that dominates that area of the world, everywhere you go in the world, you will find prayer. It is deeply ingrained into humanity's heart. Now, whether they are praying to some form of deity or giving praise to another human being, because some people do that, you will find prayer everywhere. And the reason for that is because it has been wired into us as human beings by our creator. Even my atheist friends, I have got good, dear friends in my life who think I'm a complete nut job for what I believe and what I do for a living, and we can still get along as friends. They think radically different about me. Uh, about faith that I do. But you know what? When things are going really bad in their life, they're okay with me praying for them. (laughs) They are. I've had atheist friends send me a text saying, I don't believe in what you believe, but would you pray for such and such a thing? It is wired into our hearts. 
Right? And we can see that from God's word in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, where it says this, God has planted eternity in the human heart. God has planted eternity in the human heart. Our hearts long for the eternal, right? And that longing in our heart was placed there by a creator. It is what makes us human. I do not believe that you were once pond scum hit by lightning who started to multiply. I don't believe that. I don't believe we used to be monkeys. I don't believe that. You were created in the image and likeness of God, and God has placed eternity in our hearts. Nothing else on this planet apart from humans pray. Nothing. The monkeys don't pray. The ants don't pray. The fish don't pray. We pray. Because it's placed in our heart. God has planted eternity in our hearts. It's unique to us. We're wired for it. So that's the first fact about prayer. Our creator wired human beings for prayer. Now here's another fun fact about prayer. God has wired it into us, but we are not very good at it. That's point number two. The facts about prayer. We're not very good at prayer. We're wired for it, but I'm pretty sure by your chuckles and the response to that statement is you agree with that statement. That you deep down you kind of know you're not very good at this. One of my favorite things to do is uh, is life group. I'm a big believer in the importance of life group, uh, and what that is is a smaller group of Christians, and even non-Christians can be invited into that, to study the Bible together, to grow together, walk alongside one another through, through life, to praise God in the blessings of life, and to uh, pray for one another during the difficulties of life. I'm a huge believer in the importance of being in a small group of believers. My favorite things to do in group is to look at my group, especially if I'm leading it, and look at my group and we go, who would like to pray today? And you just watch. People looking at their watch. People pretend they're studying the Bible when I say that. Who would like to pray today? Oh, that gives me a really good idea. Just like that. And we ignore it, that statement. Why? There's something that uh, I don't want to pray in front of people. I'm going to be embarrassed. All these different things. It's uncomfortable. I feel silly. I wonder what people are going to think of me if I do that. You know what? If you feel that way about prayer, you're in good company. Because the Apostle Paul felt that way too about prayer. What? The Apostle Paul, like the Superman of the Christian faith, the guy who went around and started all these churches all over the world? Yeah, Paul. He said this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. We don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. There's just those situations in life and stuff is going on and you're just like, I got nothing. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how I should pray in this situation. Even Paul felt that way. Even the disciples of Jesus felt that way. These are the men who walked with Jesus for three full years, who saw his miracles, who got personal explanation of his teaching. And the disciples of Jesus 
go to him in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us, Lord, to pray. We see you going off to these quiet places. We see you in this intimate relationship with God the Father through prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. We're uncomfortable with it. We're struggling with it. We don't know how to do it. And deep down, we feel like we're not very good at it. And that bothers us because we're wired for it. And then finally, another fact about prayer is because we're wired for it, because we feel like we're not good at it, ultimately that leads to our frustration with prayer. And I believe we are frustrated with prayer because of our misconceptions about prayer. We, we have frustrations with prayer because of our misconceptions on prayer. Again, there is so much information that you can get on the topic of prayer. said that at the beginning. 231,000 books on Amazon. 22 million videos on YouTube. What if I buy the wrong book? What if I watch the wrong video? You know, there's all this stuff out there. And there's even within Christian churches, there's conflicting viewpoints in the church about prayer. And so it can be very frustrating when we have misconceptions about it. I'm just going to quickly share three different misconceptions about prayer. And these are stuff that I have, I've walked with people on these misconceptions. People who believe deep down to the core of their being that this is a truth about prayer, but the Bible actually says the opposite. And they're frustrated with this. And so maybe this is one of your misconceptions and one of your reasons why you, you feel frustrated with prayer. One misconception, just as an example, is uh, prayer is not a magic wand. Prayer isn't a magic wand, right? Prayer is not some enchanted tool that you wave around like Harry Potter to change your situation. I know, I tried to find a Star Wars reference, couldn't find one, so I went to Harry Potter. I don't know why, but anyways. <laughs> or it, it's it's not... Um, it's not a lamp, you know, where we just find this magic lamp and we rub it and this blue genie comes and hey, you ain't never had a friend like me. Ow. You know, like, it doesn't work that way. Your wish is my command. <laughs> I'm going to sing that song all day now. Mr. Aladdin, sir, what would your pleasure be? Let me take you. Anyways, anyways. But we approach prayer sometimes in that way. It's this magic wand. It's this lamp. If I rub it the right way, God is required to do it. Because I've rubbed the magic lamp. I have waved the magic wand. We approach prayer that way. Like prayer is some kind of secret incantation. If I just said the right words, then God would answer it. Right? And it's not like that. And I meet so many people who get frustrated with God. I and God didn't do anything. So I walked away from God. I prayed. And God didn't heal that person from their illness. I prayed. And God didn't save my marriage. I prayed. And God didn't help me get out of debt. I prayed, and God didn't help my wayward teenager come back. And we get frustrated with God and with prayer because we assume 
prayer's a magic wand. <laughs> that just because I prayed it, I'm going to get what I want. So that's one of the ways that we get frustrated. That's a misconception. And we're going to talk about that misconception more specifically in a couple of weeks. Another misconception that we have about prayer is that prayer is not a fire extinguisher. <laughs> prayer is not a fire extinguisher. Kind of, prayer is, like, when you think of prayer as a fire extinguisher, it's that in case of emergency, break glass. <laughs> So there's something horrible going on in my life right now, so now I better pray. <laughs> right? And that, for so many people, is, is a default that I have seen. And you know what? To be honest, it's been like that in some seasons of my life, too, where my prayer life may not have been where I really want it to be. But boy, if there's an emergency, <laughs> then I start praying. <laughs> it's almost like we treat prayer like it's the last resort. <laughs> well, you know what? I read this book, I went on this conference, I kind of had more meetings, I did this, 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 me, 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 because I'm so smart and I'm so talented and I'm so gifted and I'm still in this mess. Well, I guess now it's time to break the glass, pull the trigger, pull out the fire extinguisher and now pray. And again, that deals with so many frustrations when we look at prayer as a fire extinguisher, right? God didn't deal with my situation, so it weakens my faith. And then another misconception that I think that we have about prayer is this, is that so many of us believe that prayer is a ritual that we do to relieve guilt. That prayer is simply a ritual that we do to help us relieve guilt. You see, I grew up in a, in a tradition, in a Christian tradition, where if you did stuff really, really bad, you sinned, you did stuff really, really bad, you know what our punishment was? Prayer. Think about that for a moment. As children, we were being raised in in an environment, in a school, where if you were bad, your punishment was prayer. Another punishment that we had as children was that we would have to take the little, the big, huge French Bible off of, the, off of the shelf, sit at our desk, and copy out pages of the Bible. Prayer and the Bible were punishment. And we're shocked that an entire generation has walked away from God. This shouldn't shock us in any way. We raise children to believe Prayer is punishment. Well, you have to go in that corner over there and you better say this prayer 100 times. In order to relieve our guilt, that this somehow makes us right with God by being stuck in a corner, forced to pray. Right? And it's, it's sad for me. To know that so many people were raised that way. To believe that prayer is simply a ritual to relieve them of their guilt. And repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Especially since that goes so directly against the teachings of Jesus. When he said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 7, he says, When you pray, do not use meaningless repetition, thinking that you will be heard for your many words. To deal with this guilt, I'm just going to pray and pray and pray and pray. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Jesus says that's meaningless repetition because your heart's not there. Prayer is never meant to be a mindless ritual. 
It's not supposed to be just repeating Christian cliches. Prayer is not a ritual. It's not a punishment. So no wonder people don't want to pray. We have so many misconceptions about it. So what is prayer then? If we're looking at this as kind of the big picture, prayer 101, kind of, I don't want to say prayer for dummies, but anyways, you know what I mean. It's an introduction to prayer. Let's talk about foundations. Three different foundational truths about prayer that we can see throughout the Bible. The first is this. This is foundational. If, if you only remember one thing about today, this is what I want you to remember about prayer, your prayer life. It's this. God loves for me to talk with him. God loves for me to talk with him about anything. Sometimes we think, again, when I look at my life group and we go around the circle, what would you like prayer for? What would you like prayer for? What would you like prayer for? We're usually addressing those times of prayer is, well, what is your wish list? Well, what is your wish list? Well, what is your wish list? (laughs) And if people are in a season right now going, well, I don't have anything on my wish list right now, and I don't have anything on, on my um, honeydew list. God, my honeydew list, I need you to fix this, right? I don't have anything on my wish list. I don't have anything on my honeydew list. Please fix this, God. So, no, I don't have anything to pray for. Next. And we move on to the next person. What's your wish list? What's your honeydew list? Oh, I'm good. Then you finally get to someone who's got a huge wish list, and woo, we hear about their wish list for the next half hour, right? But um, this is how we approach it. But God wants so much more than that. God is not just simply interested in prayer. Is God, please give me blah, 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 blah. Oh, God, please protect me from blah, 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 blah. Oh, God, give traveling mercies on blah, 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 blah. God, through prayer, wants to talk to you about you. He loves you. He wants to spend time with you, right? God is interested in you as you because he loves you, because he created you. He desires to have a relationship with you. God is not some distant, far away creator. God is Father. Abba. Abba is the Hebrew word which means Papa. That he is Daddy, dads, think for a moment of your children before they were able to talk. We as dads kind of have some, you know, we're a little sometimes with the baby thing, and not all of us, but some dads can be a little bit, I don't know what to do with this thing, I'm afraid I'm going to break it, or, you know, something like that, you know. But as soon as that baby says, da-da. Grandpas, when your grandchild says, granddad, for the first time, there's something in it that just melts. That is the intimacy that God the Father has for us, right? We see this in, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Even though in the Old Testament, people didn't pray so much to God the Father. They referred to him more as Lord. But the language of God the Father is still in the Old Testament. Like in example, Psalm 103, verse 13 where it says, the, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who revere him. God wants to talk to you. 
about anything. Think about your, if you're, if you're here today, if, if you're married, or if you're not married, someone who's close to you. Don't you love just talking to someone that you love about the things that they love? I, I feel bad for Danielle a lot, my wife. Because my wife, Danielle, has to listen to me rant and rail about the latest geek movie that I saw and how this movie goes against this comic book and that comic book, they, you know, that was so much better when they kind of did it like that. Or this new geek game that I just bought. I said, oh, baby, I just kind of, I just cleaned up all my paint. And if you follow me on social media, you saw how I spent my Sabbath yesterday. It was awesome, you know. And, and, and I got this little benum and his sword broke. So I got to run. I got to go get some glue. And my wife just like, oh, okay, so what kind of glue are you going to buy? She doesn't care. I know she doesn't, but she loves me, and she puts up with it. That's God's relationship with you. God wants to talk to you about the stuff going on in your life. It's not just about the hyper-religious stuff, all the right words and the right sayings. It's not just the wish list and the honeydew list. It's God wants to meet with you because you are you. Look at what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, we can be confident in approaching God. We can be confident in approaching God. I, just there, just think of that for a moment. I don't know what to say. Am I going to sound silly? Am I using the right words? Stop it. Confidence. Not in who you are, but who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and because the Spirit of God is in you, that gives you confidence. You can have confidence in approaching God, knowing that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything according to his will. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, then we can be sure that he answers us. We can pray without fear. We can pray without shame. We can pray without hesitation. God loves it when you talk to him. God loves it when you talk to him. That's the first fundamental truth you need to know about prayer is God loves spending time with you in prayer. The second fundamental truth about prayer is this. Is God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. I remember years ago when I was a brand new Christian. I was still living in Montreal. I was muffin and then church. Time when the minister there was leading a time of prayer. Now, I was still kind of new to the church thing. I wasn't too sure if I was welcome here, if I should, you know, what, what this thing is. So I would kind of sit way in the back and just kind of pray on my own, praying I wasn't going to get busted for bringing coffee in there. Never got busted once, but that's okay. And um, even though they had a big sign that said no drinks, don't do that, okay? Um, and the guy would pray. And 
aujourd'hui. Notre pain de ce jour. And I'm like, yeah, I'm bilingual. Uh, and you know what I learned doing that every day? <laughs> Apart from. Is I learned I can't pray. Because he's a man. And I don't talk. And I don't pray that way. So there must be something wrong with me and my faith. That's what I learned. When we. Prayer into something God never intended prayer to be. God listens to prayers that are sincere, that are simple. Right? Look at what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 8. Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. Instead, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done, is, what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on and on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. <laughs> Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. If I were to summarize that passage, I think the starting thing that we have to really grasp as Christians in our world today, and I think especially as leaders in our culture today, is we need to stop using prayer to show off. We need to stop using prayer to show off standing in front of all these people, look how smart I am, look how elegant I am, look at all the fancy Christian words I use. You know, if the only one who can understand your your prayer is someone with a doctorate degree in theology, there might be a problem. I'm a big believer. Um, People kind of ask me, you know, know, ministry, philosophy stuff. I'm, I'm a big believer in ministry should be done in a way that everyone can understand it. People say, hey, Kev, how come you don't like use all like the big fancy terms? Like, well, because I want everyone to understand the Bible. I want everyone to understand Jesus. I kind of preach what I call truck driver. I'm a blue-collar preacher. Everyone should understand this. You don't need a doctorate degree in theology to understand the Word of God. And it's the same thing for prayer. So we as leaders, we've got to be careful on this one. Jesus is very clear in this. If we're praying that way, we're hypocrites just to look religious, just to look holy, just to look righteous before people. We use all the right words. We've got to make sure that we're not using prayer to show off. We also have to make sure that we're not using prayer to impress. Um, I've been invited to speak at different prayer stuff here in the city of Ottawa, and it's an honor and a privilege to be invited to this stuff. I, I don't go. And, and not because I'm against the, the event, is because I'm trying to guard my heart. Because <laughs> I'm not trying to build a public platform. Yay, I got to pray on Parliament Hill. <laughs> I'm very cautious of that in my own heart because there's a little part of me that would love 
the popularity of that. <laughs> so I'm very guarded of that. I say no until God tells me otherwise. <laughs> so we use prayer to impress people. God's not impressed with that. <laughs> right? Jesus says here, basically, keep it simple and sincere. God is looking at your heart when you pray. God isn't looking at the fancy words. He's not even looking at the repeat, 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 repeat prayers. God just wants you to be talking with him about anything, and God wants this to be simple. He wants it to be sincere. It comes from a heart that's focused on God. It comes from a heart that recognizes our relationship with God. It comes from a heart that ultimately doesn't care what anybody else thinks. I want to bless you in Jesus' name right now that you are going to go to your life group this week and you're going to pray not caring a rip what anybody else in the room thinks. Can you try that? No! Um, Yes, you can. It doesn't matter if your life group leader is going, holy smoke, that was terrible. Because guess what? They're not thinking that. If you pray for the very, if you've been going to your group for years and you pray for the first time, your life group leader is going to jump out of their chair and be thrilled with that. So in Jesus' name, be freed from what people think because they don't really. They're not thinking about you. They're too busy worried about what they look like. Okay? So we, God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. And the third foundational truth about prayer is this is God longs to be close to you. God longs to be close to you. Right? When you are far away from someone you love for a long time, doesn't your heart just ache for that person? I remember back in the day when I was a, a computer consultant, newly married, we just started having babies. I used to travel a lot. I used to travel all over the world, uh, and I remember Cameron, my son, was just like six months old, and I had to go to Japan and to South Korea for, I think it was about three weeks. And it was the longest three weeks of my life. I was like, I just want to go home. I long to be with them. And then when Samantha was born, I had to go to Disney World. I know, right? Disney World. Oh, it sucks to be you. I had to go to Disney World for a week and a half for a conference. And I'm, on the, I'm at the happiest place on earth. And I just want to go home. I long to talk to them. I long to see them. I finally get home off the plane, and I got these two little rugrats. One of them's like a year old and three-year-old, and it's nap time. And I don't want them to go for a nap. I want them to stay and talk to me. That's how God views us as well. God longs for us to be close to him. Right? It's God's not too busy for you. God's waiting sometimes for you. Especially if prayer is not something you've been doing all that regularly. If your prayers are very distant and far between, God is actually longing for you to come to him in prayer. I love Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 says, The Lord waits for those who come to him. 
so he can show you his love and compassion. The Lord waits for you to come to him. He's not far. He's not distant. But he's patient. He's waiting for you to come to him. Why? So he can show you his love and his compassion. Right? God designed you for a relationship. He made you to love you. He created you for companionship. He wants you to be close to him. Hosea 6, verse 6 says, this is the words of God to the prophet Hosea. He says, I don't want your sacrifices. God's not interested in your religious ritual. God is not interested going, oh, I kept all the little tick boxes on my YouTube app this week. God's not interested in your ritual. God says, I want your love. We could be so religious and yet be so far from the love of God. God longs to be close to us. God does, and he said, continues in that verse, in Hosea 6, 6, says, I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. I don't want you to just do this religious stuff that's, keep, that's actually keeping you far from me. I want you to know me intimately. Right? One of the most amazing verses for me, um, and this really came alive to me a number of years ago, because, again, we can get so used to, especially in, in Christian leadership, we can get so used to our abilities and our programs and, and how we run this and how we do this. Uh, we can get used to what book we read, what education we have. And, and if we're not careful, we can miss out on the relationship God has truly called for us into. And this verse just came alive to me maybe about five years ago. We're in John 15, 15. Jesus said this, I don't call you servants. So many of us are running through our Christian life like, I got to serve the Lord. 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 And we're tired and we're exhausted and we're getting a little cranky. I have to serve the Lord. I have to serve the Lord. Now, there is a part to that. But Jesus says, at the end of the day, I didn't call you servants. I called you my friends. I called you my friends. That's close. You know, you're stuck with your family, right? but you choose your friends. God chose you to be his friend. He wants to be close to you. He longs for you. And that longing of God started with Jesus coming to earth. Right? Jesus told his followers, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So many people in our world today are trying to get a grasp of who God is. Maybe some of you are still wrestling with who God is. Maybe some of you online are still wrestling with who God is. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And Jesus served, and he loved, and he ministered to, and he cared for, and he blessed, and he had his friends that he loved on, that he partied with. Everybody wants to party with Jesus. Got the best wine. He's got the best banquet. But he calls us into that friendship. And the way he did it was he died for us. That we have this sin that separates us from God. And we could not be religious enough to deal with that. We can't. And so Jesus, as friend, goes to the cross. 
dies, is put in a tomb, and three days later rises in victory over sin and death so that you and I can know God forever and have abundant life today. The message of Jesus is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's a life transformation today because we're friends. And that's what prayer is. God who longs to be with us. Simple and sincere conversation with a God who wants to talk to you about your silly little miniatures that you paint. (laughs) Or the hockey game you played. Or the dog that you walked. (laughs) Or the nature that you enjoy. Whatever it is that makes you, you. God wants to meet you in that stuff. And we do it through prayer. But it starts with knowing who Christ is and knowing how he wants us to pray to him. So let's spend a moment and pray together now. Father God, we praise you that we were formed for friendship with you. We are grateful that you don't just look at us as these little servants doing your will, but you look at us as your children, because that is who we are. We're your children. And so, God, we come before you now with confidence just to say we love you, God. Lord, today we we put aside our wish lists, We put aside our honeydew list. And God, we just pray to you now because you're Abba, your daddy, your your papa, your father. And we love to be in the presence of our father. It's a privilege for us, God, to have that relationship with you. It's an honor (laughs) To even be considered as your child. It's an honor that we sometimes can't even get our brains around. I know I can't. So, Father, as your children today, we are in this place simply to meet with you, to let you know we love you, to feel your love for us here. Father, as we sing songs to you, we do those out of a heart, not out of ritual and tradition, but out of a heart of love. Lord, as we give our tithes and our offerings, we don't give out of a guilt of re- religious tradition or ritual. We give because you've so given to us. Like we give as a response of love. God, we don't serve in the church. We don't help out with kid zone. We don't help out with tech stuff. We don't help out with all the things that are going on here out of guilt. We do this out of love. And so, God, I just pray as we kick off the next 40 days that you would build in us a desire to meet with you more. That we would carve time out of our busy lives to spend time with our Abba Father who longs to meet with us. Lord, I pray that we would be intentional, that we would be purposeful over the next 40 days to look at your word, to hear from you in your word, to pray that your kingdom would come here on earth, that you would do more in our lives than we could ask or imagine for your glory's sake. 
So as we collect our tithe now and as we worship now, Holy Spirit, just meet with us at this time. Help us to feel the love of God. And I know maybe some of you are here today and you would say, you know, the love of God feels far. And I just want you to know it's not. That if you just would reach out, take a step of faith. Maybe it's believing in Jesus. Maybe it's confessing a sin that has been keeping you far from God. God is not far. He's right here in this place. And he longs to meet with you. Take that step closer to him. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.